RadioInfluence.com. Welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast, presented by our good friends at Contender Boats. Joining me today, my good friend from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Nigel Kerwin. Nigel, how are you, buddy? I'm great, Mike. How are you? Well, I, I can't complain. I mean, obviously, times are a little tough with uh, with the virus out there and things like that. But, uh, you know, all in all, we're, we're all feeling a little bit of cabin fever, I'm sure. But the most important thing is that we're all staying safe and uh, trying to get this thing to die down as quickly and as soon as possible so we can resume our normal lives and uh, get back to uh, fishing regularly. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Nigel Kerwin, for those that don't know, is the video coach for our Tampa Bay Lightning. You know what I didn't know? I was doing some homework on you. Um, you and I have been friends a long time. So this is the first time I did homework on you, just so you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're an original member of the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. So you were there when this whole thing, when the Tampa Bay Lightning kicked off originally? Yeah, I, I, I was. I, uh, I, I came out of school and uh, I went right uh, out of school to the to the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team working in the front office for uh, a bunch of years before I eventually switched over to hockey operations. But yeah, I am a, an original member of the, uh, ex- I, I got hired to the Lightning about three weeks before the expansion draft. Wow. That's kind of a cool, uh, now how many, how many of you are left? If you, I mean, is there a lot of well, people left? It, 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 depends, it depends on how you categorize it. If you're talking about people that are there now, um, that were there originally, myself, obviously, Phil Esposito is there. Uh, there's, a, there's a lady that works in, in the foundation named Missy Davis uh, who's there. So we were all originals. My, the only difference between me and them is that they all, the, the two of them left for a period of time and then came back. Um, okay. I'm the only person that's been there continuously uh, since the beginning. But no, Missy Davis was there at the beginning. Phyllis Zito obviously was clearly there at the beginning. And now he works kind of in a part-time capacity as an ambassador and uh, and obviously on the radio broadcast. But uh, I'm the only person that's been there continuously since day one. That, that's, that's how crazy. It, that's really different between me and them. So, but, that's kind of that's yeah, crazy. It's been a fun ride. It's been a, it's been a, it's been the ride of a lifetime and I'm grateful for it. And it's been a great opportunity and and it's been a, it's been a fun, it's been a fun time and I'm, I'm, I've I've loved the experience. So, so how do you, how do you get, I've always been in, in, you know, you and I've been friends and I've been around the organization just enough to kind of see you a couple of times doing what you do. Um, especially over that, the practice facility, I think last year I got to kind of get a glimpse into, Nigel Kerwin, video coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning's world. How do you get hired? How does that happen? I mean, I know Terry Crisp was the one to hire you prior to the 96-97 season. How did you yeah. go from how did you go from working in the front office to the guy where the coach said, "Hey, I want you to come be my video coach." How does all that happen? Kind of a long story. Um it was accidental. It was never a career thing. I mean, I grew up in Canada. I'm from Canada. Uh, I wasn't born there, but I, I, grew, I moved to Canada when I was two years old. It's, it's what I know. I grew up there. I did, did most of my schooling and, and some college and high school there and all that stuff. And um, uh, moved to Florida because my parents were living in Florida and I was going away to school at the time. And when I, when I got down here, 
I eventually spent the time with the Buccaneers just in a, in a part-time capacity uh, while I was uh, getting secondary degree and um, uh, got hired by the lightning. And then I, once I got, I, when I left Canada, I thought hockey was kind of behind me. And um, when I got hired by the lightning, obviously it, it came back into my life. I'd been away from it for a year or two, not very long. And I started playing again. And then uh, some people asked me to help out with youth hockey was just starting to kind of, uh, get on the radar and, and grow and and and, uh, and take off here in, in, in Tampa. It was in its infancy stages, and I got asked to help out coaching amateur hockey. So I, I did that, um, and, and in, in doing that, you have to go through a process with USA Hockey where you have to go through certifications, and I, I went through the entire USA Hockey program uh, to become the certified instructor and coach and eventually started teaching classes and um, – if you wanted to get certified as a youth hockey coach in Florida, I was, there was a good chance that I was one of a few people that would certify you uh, in West Central Florida. And, in the, and while I was doing these clinics, I got tired of being this, the only speaker. And I, I thought, how can I make these more interesting and, and, uh, and more engaging? And by that point, I'd, hired, I'd been hired by the Lightning. And I decided to go to you know, Terry Crisp and Wayne Cashman and Bobby the Chief Taylor, who's still there. And, and Danny Gare and uh, some people that were on the staff. And I asked them, listen, can you guys come to these clinics I'm doing and be guest speakers rather than me being up there all the time, have these you know, professional coaches uh, do some of these speaking engagements with me? And they agreed. Obviously, we're trying to grow the sport at the time. And, um, and, and so they were happy to oblige and, and do that. And so I brought them to my clinics and it was, and more and more people started coming and it, and it really took off. And, and in the process of doing that afterwards, I would take, you know, Wayne and, and Terry and Bobby and Chief to lunch and I'd pick their brain. I'd ask them questions. How do you handle this situation on the ice? Or what do you do here? How do you defend? You know, just from my own coaching knowledge when I was, you know, coaching some amateur hockey. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, years, a few years went by. And one day I'm sitting in my office. I had a marketing report for my boss at the time. It was a guy named Steve Donner and it was late. And he was on me to get it in. And I'm trying to, uh, bang this thing out and get it done for him. And Terry Chris walked into my office and asked me to become his video coach. And uh, I, Terry Chris, I, by that point had a bit of a relationship and he was a big practical joker. And I didn't believe him for a second. I didn't think I was qualified. <laughs> and I, I literally, I, I can't use bad language, but I told him to get the hell out of my office in different terms. I didn't have time for his jokes and uh, to, to get out. And after a little bit of banter back and forth, he eventually got up from my desk and kind of slammed the door shut and took the chair that he was sitting sideways to my desk in and turned it directly uh, so it was facing me and said, I'm not joking. I want you to come uh, work for me as my, uh, my video coach. So I, I kind of bit, but I honestly didn't believe him. Um, and we talked a little bit and um, he said, I, you know, you're qualified. You can do this. It's not much different from what you think it is and blah, 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 blah. And, so he left and immediately one of the vice presidents of the lightning came in and said, did you talk to Terry? Uh, we want to talk to you about a, you know, a contract with the team and to go to his staff. And I, my first reaction there was this guy's in on this joke too. And uh, he's got everybody, he's got everybody involved. And, um, when they came in with paperwork the following day, um, that's when I realized that they were actually serious and uh, panic started to set in a little bit. And I was, you know, kind of forced to make a decision, and um, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a hard choice. And hockey has been in my blood, my, you know, since I was four years old. And uh, so I signed, and there was, there was real numbers on the papers. So I figured if I signed it, they, they had no choice but to follow through. <laughs> and it wasn't until they signed it that I realized, like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? 
and uh, next thing you know, I, I became the video coach of the Lightning, and, and, and I've been lucky to stay on ever since. That's a cool story. That's uh, that's great. That's interesting. Wow. You know, it's interesting. You, yeah. you just you don't ever know. Life just takes us down these paths. It's just uh, it's just it, kind of crazy. Know, it's, it's one of the it's one of the great things about life is you you don't know what's coming around the corner, and uh, it's always full of surprises. Sometimes they're not always good, but like what we're going through right now. But um, yeah, that was a, that was a pleasant surprise. And it took me in a, in a, you know, I was never, this was never a career path for me, an intentional career path for me. It's something I literally fell into by accident. And it's been, uh, it's been, you know, some things I think in life are just destiny. You, 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 you do the things maybe that you're meant to do. And, uh, and uh, I've been very fortunate to fall into this and it's, it's been a great ride. And obviously the, the height of that was winning the Stanley Cup in 2004, but there's been a lot of great memories along the way and met a lot of great people, including yourself, along the way. So, you know, you and I met, um, God, over 20 years ago because I've been guiding 20 years on Tampa Bay, and you and I met before I was guiding, technically. Um, yeah. and, 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 and you and I got to enjoy a journey with uh, with – with coach John Tortorella, you obviously a lot more than I did. Um, but, you know, talk a little bit, you know, it, I tell people, you know, a lot of people ask me about the lightning because I, a lot of them knew that I, I got to do some stuff with coach Tortorella and his fishing tournament. And then now what we do, you know, today with coach Cooper and Coop's catch and, and, and all those blessings and, and being around you and, and Ray Phil and, you know, Bill Wicket, you know, all the great people that I've been able to meet with the, with the organization. Um, it, it, people ask me all the time about torts, go figure. Um, you know, that <laughs> big personality of his and all that. Um, t- walk me through a little bit what it was like spending time working for coach John Tortorella. And I know what he means and people should know, I know what he means to you. Um, you know what he means to me. You know, I just love the guy. I just think he's one of the unique personalities in all of sports. And I just, I, I want the people to understand from your perspective what it was like to work with him for those years, you know, the intense John that you and I both know so well. Yeah, he, I, I was, uh, I was very fortunate to in, encounter him and uh, be retained by him. He came on as an assistant uh, back in, what year was it? It was two. 2000, I think, or 2001, maybe he came on as an assistant and then, uh, halfway through the year and you, you never want, you never like coaching changes, but it's part of the business and you, you get accustomed to it. And the, the organization decided to make a, co- a coaching change and they let go of the head coach at the time and promoted uh, torch to the to, to head coach. And, um, he, he, he really, he's a, he's a unique character. I, I, I absolutely, and you know, this, I, I love the guy and, sure. uh, I, I both do. No, he can sometimes come across as a strong personality on TV. I tell people all the time that's not the guy that he is. You know, like he's he's very convicted when he's talking to the media about things, and and he he can uh, he can sometimes be a little temperamental. But um, I tell you what, he I really credit him. I don't think the Lightning have a Stanley Cup um, uh, to their name without that guy. And I think um, everybody that knows him that was here will will echo the same sentiment. Um, he was instrumental in turning, uh, changing the mindset of an organization. Uh, 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 up, up to that point, the organization had not had a lot of success on the ice. 
um, had been a perennial uh, bottom dweller, bottom feeder in the league. And he came in and, and was really responsible uh, for changing the mindset of an organization. I think Jay Feaster played a very huge role in that as well, and I want to credit him with that as well. But between the two of them, they, they changed the mindset of organization. They un- he understood what it meant and what it took to win and uh, helped between him and Jay brought in some of the right people and character that the locker room needed. Um, and luckily, we had also been in a position where we were able to draft some pretty good talent um, in terms of the Vinny LeCaviers, the Brad Richards, Rick Dudley, who was the GM before Jay Feaster, made a move to bring in Habby Boulin and sign Marty St. Louis. So a lot of pieces came together at the same time. And I think Torch was just the right guy at the right time with the right with an understanding of what it what it took to win and get to the next level. And he's a phenomenal coach uh, um, and, and, and was able to ele- elevate us uh, to that next level and accumulated with a championship in, in 2004. Uh, he's a good man. Uh, he's very benevolent. He's very caring individual. Uh, one of the things I respect about him, you know, a lot of people, uh, they do stuff in the, or in, in the community and they want to be seen or recognized for it. He's not that guy. He's, he's no. one of those guys that likes to do stuff in the community, but he wants to do it without the attention of the cameras and the publicity. He does it behind the scenes. It, it wasn't uncommon for, for me to be out with him on the road going to dinner and, you know, you're walking down the street back to the hotel and uh, you're talking to him, and next thing you know, he's not next to you. Like, he's, he's gone. And you realize after a few paces that he's no, no longer by your side, and you look back to find out where he is, and sure enough, he's ducked down an alley, and he's, he's tucking money into a, a sleeping homeless person's, uh, you know, pocket um, without them even knowing, and then he quietly comes out of the alley and, and keeps on walking. Um, that's the guy that he is. That's the side of him that doesn't get portrayed. Uh, in the media at all because he doesn't want it. He doesn't want the attention. He's, he's a little media shy to, to, to be honest with you. Um, he does it because it's required, you know, uh, as, as the job. Um, uh, it's part of the job, part of the territory, but uh, he's, he's a really good man. And I think a misunderstood individual and I have nothing but the utmost uh, res- respect for him. And obviously, you know, you, you got to know him. Uh, I introduced him to fishing uh, um, many, many, many years ago. And by that point, I had forged a relationship with you. And, and you and him were able to become really, really tight. And uh, you've always experienced that. He's a bit of a loner, you know, like he, he'd, rather, <laughs> he'd rather be on his own and by himself than with, a, a, you know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to go into a bar and sit down and chit chat with <laughs> That's the no. opposite of what he wants to do. But uh, <laughs> for those of us, the, the few of us that are in that little network of his, uh, that had the benefit of getting to know him, he's a he's a he's a he's a really he's a quality human being, um, honest to maybe a fault, and that's probably where he gets into a little bit of trouble. Is that he doesn't have the ability to lie or BS you, and that's where he probably falls a little bit in trouble on on, on TV uh, with the media, but. Um, He's a man that's been really good to me, and I'm really grateful for all the things he's taught me, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for him. Yeah, I always tell people that um, uh, when he comes up, and he comes up quite often, actually, with you know the popularity of the Tampa Bay Lightning and all that, especially here on my charters and things, you know, people ask me, you know, what's Torch like? And, and the only way I can describe him to people is I'm like, listen, there's no gray area, okay? <laughs> There's no gray. You don't, you, you don't, you're going to know exactly what Torch thinks. You may not like it. 
Um, but it's, it's just who Torts is. He's going to, and I, I, I saw the same thing. Um, I remember having players, um, come up to me at the fishing tournaments, some of the first tournaments we did together. And I, they would look at me and go like, dude, you hang out with him. Like what's wrong with you? And I would just have to tell him, I would, I'd be like, dude, I don't get coach Tortorella. I get torts. I get John, you know, he's, when he comes fishing with me, he's got his, his phones off and we're just fishing. I don't get, you know, he, he ain't making me hustle up and down the ice. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not riding me. It's I'm away from work. Oh, I get, yeah. I've seen him get ornery. So I get why he, you wonder why I'd hang out with him, but I get a different, I get a different torch. So I will well, never uh, forget well, a quick, a quick fishing story that, 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 that describes his, yeah, how ornery he can be. I distinctly remember, um, it was, it was one of the years, I think it was, might've been the year we won the cup. We had a bunch of hurricanes coming through Tampa that fall. Actually, yeah, I think we had like a few of them. They never hit Tampa, but they went by. And, you know, he got into fishing and he called me up and he's like, Hey, you know, what, let's go fishing tomorrow. I'm like, Torch, there's a, there's a freaking hurricane uh, coming up the Gulf right now. Like we can't, we can't go weight fishing right now. Cause we love to weight fish and, and kayak and that kind of stuff. And he's like, no, no it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not far away. Like we, it's far away. We can, we can, we got, we, I'm like, I think the water level is a little too high, but we'll, all right, fine. So he talked me into going, I thought it was a bad idea. And we go out to that, that VFW flat there uh, off of West shore. And uh, yep. we, we actually drove, we didn't take our kayaks. We drove there and we hopped in the water and we waded out right off that VFW flat. And for anybody that's been out there, and I'm sure there's lots of people that are listening to the show have been out there. It's, it's ankle deep when you get in the water right away off the rocks there. It's, it's like, it barely comes up to your ankles and you got to wade out probably 50, 60 yards before it gets to your calf. And then you go another 50 yards before it gets to your knees and, that day I got in the water and it was up to my, it was up to my calf, I mean, my, my thighs. I'm like, Oh boy, this, you know, cause that, <laughs> that, that storm was out in the Gulf. But anyways, long story short, we weighed out there. We're fishing in water that was normally knee deep was now up to our waist and maybe a little bit higher because the storm surge was, it was starting to come in a little bit, but it wasn't rough. And I caught a, the, the best flounder I've ever caught in my life. It was, it was a doormat. It was huge. And, uh, so I yelled at Torts. I said, Do I, you know, he sees me out of fish on what he got. I'm like, I said, I think it's a flounder. I think it's a flounder. I, I fight this thing. I get it in and it's, it's big. And I love, I'm, I'm a big catch and release guy uh, uh, for the most part, unless I'm going to cook something right away. I, I pretty much release it, but I love flounder. I'm like, this is a big one, big fillets. I'm like, I, I got to keep this one. So I yelled at Torts. I said, Hey Torts, I'm going to walk back to shore there and uh, throw this in the cooler. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna throw in the cooler. He goes, no, you're not. Let, let it go. And I'm like, no, Torres, this is a big flounder. I never caught a flounder that was big. It was huge. Like, and I love flounder. I'm like, I, I got put this thing. He goes, no, you're not killing that. Let it go. And I'm like, yeah, I, I laughed the whole thing off. And and uh, and, he, and he's, he's, he started to raise his voice a little bit. Now he's about you know 50 yards away from me fishing and uh, off uh, of this oyster bar and. Uh, Next thing I, I'm, 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 I'm not taking him seriously. I'm like, ah, I'm going to take this, this fish home. And next thing I know, he throws his bait off. He reels his rod in and he starts trudging it across the flat. <laughs> and he's, he threatens to kick the crap out of me if I don't let it go. And it took him getting to about 10 yards away from me before I went like, oh, my God, he's, he's actually serious. He's, I'm about to get punched in the face if I don't let this freaking flounder go. 
and uh, I, so I, I was forced to, to, to release the damn thing, and I was so mad. Um, but that's the guy he is, you know. Like he's when he makes up his mind about something, he, he gets his way, and he's uh, he knows how to push the button, the right buttons to get whatever he wants to succeed. And uh, I almost got my ass handed to me on that. Uh, on that, like, <laughs> people would have been driving by seeing two guys fighting on a flat over a damn flounder. But that's that's John Tortorella. You uh, you probably remember this. We were in Boca Grande. It was shortly after John had hip surgery. And oh, Torch yeah. wanted to go tarpon fishing, remember? And oh, we were I up do, on the I hill. We were that. up on the hill. And the bite was we incredible. Killing we were killing we were, it. Every drift. We were killing it. Every drift, we were hooking a tarpon. And it was like, I don't know, we started at 6 in the morning. It's like 10.30. And Torch just looks at me and he goes, Mike, I'm good. I'm done. Take me back. I'm like, Torch. We're, we had, the we had you booked you for a whole day, and, and that fishing yeah. ended like in three hours because he was like, "Yeah, what, what, once he makes up his mind, that then it's it's game over." So I've never because well, I I, I, I I thought he was kidding. I was like, "Torch." I looked at him like, "Are you kidding?" I, you, I mean, and you looked at me like he's not serious, is he? And, and I I knew by that point once I hear that I know that tone, I know the inflection yeah. of the voice, and. And when you hear it, I'm like, okay, we're 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 definitely done for the day because there's not nobody. And and you're a big man, like you, you, yeah. you are a big man. But even you are going to be like, oh, no. all right, awesome, whatever. Yeah. Whatever well, that's say. what I did too. Once I, I I looked at you, and then when I looked back at him, I got the look like he was upset that I. He's like, did you not hear me? Did I not speak oh, yeah. clearly enough for you? Because like, we're what going back. <laughs> what is it you don't understand about what I just said that I need to clarify <laughs> to you? This, we're done for the day. Turn the boat back to shore. We're good. And and, and he loves to fish, but yes, like, he does. Was my he's, he's, but, but but that day the, the tarpon were chewing the bottom out of the boat and uh, <laughs> we landed a bunch and it was a great, but I wanted to stay, but I knew better. I said, you know, Mike, you're on your own on this one. So I, I knew better to get involved. Well, I knew that look too by then, and I was like, "Okay, well, I guess we're done. That's just the way this is going to go." So, good stuff, our good friend John Tortorella. There, great stories there. When did you when did you start fishing, Nigel? When did I mean when did when did it get into your heart and your soul? Because I know you love to fish, and I know you don't get it you don't get to do it as much as you'd like with your busy schedule with the team and all. But when did it when did it first get into your soul a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I, as you know, I, I love fishing and particularly, you know, uh, shallow water inshore light tackle fishing is, is, is one of my favorite things in the world to do. So I think like everybody else, you know, my dad, we, we at one point started living in rural North Dakota when I was very small. And, uh, uh you know, my dad would take me fishing and I, I, that's when the bug first kind of hit. And then, uh, because of the situation we were living in in rural North Dakota, my, my dad eventually sent me to uh, back to the city we lived in in Canada. Um, when I, again, I was like nine years old when, when this happened, he sent me back to, uh, uh, to Winnipeg where we'd moved from to go to boarding school, just because of the situation we were in in North Dakota it was very rural and little house on the prairie ish. And <laughs> my dad just wanted me to get a, a better education. And, and, you know, so I went back to Winnipeg and, and, and when I was in boarding school, uh, I had a roommate event, you know, years later, I had a roommate that was, uh, who was from a place called Ear Falls, Ontario, which is Northern Ontario. It's like a thousand lakes around it and rivers and, and it's in the woods. It's a hunting fishing area. And, 
And so on weekends, I'd, I'd go to my buddy, his name is a guy named Mike Leschuk. I'd go to his house. Uh, his dad would come into Winnipeg and pick us up. And on long weekends, we'd go out to his house and we'd fish for a walleye or, or pickerel for some people and Northern Pike. And uh, that continued to feed my love for fishing. And, and eventually my family moved to Florida and, um, and my, my, you know, my dad's not a huge fisherman, but uh, I, I started going on fishing, you know, flats for, you know, snook and reds, which is my favorite thing in the world to do. And, and it, it just continued to grow. So all along the way, fishing has been a little bit a part of my life and it, um, uh, it's something I've thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, as you well know, it, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the foundation of our relationship and how I met you. And, um, but yeah, I, my dad started me out and then I continued in high school and, and, uh, at boarding school when my, 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 my best friend, uh, who was from a real, uh, Northern, um, part of Canada. And, uh, we'd go fishing out with his, his dad, would, you know, take us out all the time. And, uh, so it's always, it's been a part of my, my, my entire life and, and, and a part of my life I'm grateful for. So, and I know you've been able to fish now in a lot of places and, and, uh, you kind of, I had some more questions and I still want to ask you one more after this one, but so w- with all your travels, w- where's the one place that you love to fish the most? Is there any place like if, if the good Lord said, Nigel, you can fish this one's body of water for the rest of your life, but only this one, where would it be and why? Wow. That's, that is a tough, <laughs> tough question. Yeah. Uh, Cause I fished Alaska. I fished, obviously the, I spent a lot of time in the keys and I've clearly spent a lot of time in the, in the Bay area. You know what? It, it's, it's probably, it's, it, it's, it's, it's Florida backwater backcountry fishing, whether it's Tampa Bay or Mosquito Lagoon. Uh, you give me a light tackle rod and a school of redfish and I am, um, uh, happier than uh, a pig in poop, so to speak. Like I, uh, <laughs> I uh, that that's probably you know yeah. I, I'm happy with Tampa Bay. I'm happy with Mosquito Lagoon. I'm happy with any anything backwater, um, whether it's you know uh, down in the Everglades or whatever. Back backwater fishing. You you put me in it with a light tackle rod and give me a school of reds or a school of snook. I think redfish would be my 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 favorite uh, uh, pursuit. Um, but uh, yeah, that that is um, that's my that's my favorite kind of fishing. And, and to to answer your to to answer your question in a backwards way, uh, that that environment is what I would I would seek out before anything else. And uh, although I love uh, I, I love um, like I love going to the Keys and fishing for like tuna and dolphin and permit. And uh, I, I'm not as big on bottom fishing. Uh, right. I enjoy. It, don't get me wrong. If you said and Isaac, we're going for hogfish and snapper and yellowtail. I'm like, I'm in, I'm, I'll go. But, it, but that probably be my third choice of, of the kind of fishing I do. My, my first is inshore light tackle. And then like maybe those, what are they, pelagics, I guess you would call them, the tuna, yeah. the, the dolphin, yeah. uh, um, the per, permit, wahoo. That's my, that's my second. I like, I like the lighter tackle stuff. I'm not as big on lifting something heavy off the bottom or fighting a marlin, although I, I still want to check that off the box, so to speak. But um, I've been grateful. I've had, I've had a, in, in my time in Florida, I've uh, met a lot of great people that, uh, well, you know, one of the ways we solidified our relationship was through that Mark Weaver. Uh, you and I know both sure. Mark Weaver very yep. well. And after, yep. after I met you, when we both double booked 
Billy Nobles when he made the mistake and double booked us. That's how I <laughs> yep. met you originally. You weren't guiding yet. But then the really where I got to know you is when Mark Weaver was charting you. Uh, I got to know you then, and then our relationship blossomed. But I've, I've been fortunate to, to meet a lot of great people in the, in the Tampa Bay area, you know, uh, and, 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 and fish with them. And, you know, some Matt DeVivo and the Nate Sendricks, the whooper, and the Billy, Billy Nobles knows the whooper. Uh, <laughs> the whooper. Those guys. Nope. <laughs> the whooper, yeah. He's, he's self-dubbed the whooper. Uh, I've got a lot of great friends here that have that have that have, that have uh, fishing buddies that I've got to know, and um, so yeah, uh, I'd say Backwater Tampa Bay is my probably my still my favorite. I get it, I get it, and uh, that kind of you, you ended up answering my last question was going to be, what was your favorite fish to target? Obviously, it's uh, it's redfish, and for me, it's always been my favorite as well. So I I get it the way that fish digs and fights and um, yeah, I. You know, uh, there's something there's something about that redfish fight that I just I I love it and, and nothing excites me more fishing wise than than sitting on a school of uh, of, of redfish and, and seeing those tails come up and that bronze color in the water is uh, you know the, the, the I love the sound of drag uh, screaming off the rod and the worst sound in the world is that little when uh, when your line snaps because it busts you off on an oyster bar or a mangrove, that's the worst sound in the world. But if you're going to fish, you get used to hearing it because it's going to happen, particularly the way I like to fish too because I, I don't want to just haul something to the boat flipping it across the top of the water. I, 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 like, I like the fact that you can lose the battle. And I, I enjoy the, the uh, having to do everything right in order to get that fish to the boat. So I, I fish as lightly as I possibly can and I, and I, and I love the challenge of, I like the possibility of losing that battle. Not that I want to lose, but I, I don't want, I want it to be a fight that I have to do everything right to win. So that's, that's my thrill in fishing is that redfish snook, snook bite. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It might be why you and I become such close friends over the years. Cause, uh, I always tell people that it's light tackle sport fishing for a reason. Um, I like the tackle to be light. And although it's always a bad feeling to lose a fish, I think uh, that's what that's what drives me though. That's what keeps me coming back, is that sometimes Mother Nature wins. Sometimes Mother Nature just whoops you, and I think that's awesome. I know it 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 it, it sucks when you uh, you have that fish on and it's deep in the mangroves and you don't quite see it yet, but it breaks you off and you you spend days wondering what was it? What did I put <laughs> to the boat? I tried to absolutely insane but it's part of the thrill that makes you go back out there and again I'm, I'm not one of those guys that that overloads on the tackle so i can haul something out of the mangroves just to get it to the boat and 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 fillet it i uh i i, I want to have to do things right to to win and uh and that that's the thrill that i get from fishing i know it's different for other people but yeah the, the light tackle fishing is is it for me so and if i'm going to step it up again that tuna dolphin uh, permit. I, I, I really enjoy that kind of fishing too. So yeah, me too. I'm a big permit and fan, I, and no I'm, doubt I'm about grateful, it. And I'm grateful for everything you've taught me over the years. I've learned a, uh, a ton of stuff about fishing from people like you. And, and I got to credit Billy Nobles as well. And, and, uh, all these, these great, uh, fishermen and, oh, um, uh, Justin Moore and all these guys have taught me a lot over the years, but uh, really, you know, you, you, the guy that I've, I've learned the most from is you. And I spent a great deal of time on your boat, uh, as you know, over the years. And, you know, what I love about fishing with you is it's, it's no longer, a, it's, it, it, it hasn't been in, in probably 15, 17 years. 
a uh, a, a guide client relationship. It's been you know, two guys that go out that are buddies that fish, and it's it's always uh, uh, fun to be on your boat. And when you throw torts in there, you never know what's going to happen. To you. <laughs> it ends up a little bit, but but yeah, we've had thank some, you for everything. Thank you for everything you've taught me over the years. I appreciate it. Well, we've had some great uh, we've had some great trips together. I really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us uh, today uh, here on the Real Animals Podcast. Um, I, I have a handful of friends. I have a lot of friends, but I have a handful of friends that are near and dear to me that I don't get to see enough. And you are definitely one of those people. Um, when when we get past this virus, hopefully we can get together. Hopefully we'll get back to uh, some sense of normalcy here sooner rather than later. Always good to hear your voice. Stay safe, my friend, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Real Animals Podcast. I I appreciate it. I have one bone to pick with you. Okay, Uh, come on. I got time for you. Come on. I will say this, is that uh, I know you had Paul Ranger on the podcast, and I know the the, the, the Pelican story came up where I I might have cut (laughs) – more than my fair share of pelicans. I, I want to say, I think you're responsible a little bit to the certain extent of putting us on pelicans as opposed to snooking <laughs> redfish. So I don't we think were on a school. Hold on. Hold on. We were on a school of redfish. We were on a school of redfish at Tarpon Key, as a matter of fact. Me, you, Paul Ranger, and Mike Smith. Yes. And that, and, but, and, and that, but, but, we. You didn't catch redfish that day. You caught redfish. You yeah. just happened to mix yeah, in I, a few pelicans. In my mind, in my mind, it was it was a school of uh, redfish underneath a flock of pelicans. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's how I remember it. That's how I'm going to remember it. And uh, I think it was tough to get past the feathers to get your bait down to the uh, down to the fish. So I, I, I think oh. uh, I think I'm going to hold you a little bit responsible for for that story. Which I, I got. You know what? When you not. You're the when, best when, part when, about- you, uh, when you did that podcast with Paul Ranger, my phone lit up with people calling me, dude, what's going on about you catching three pelicans on a fishing charter? I'm like, hey, well, I was a listen, captain. He put us on a school I, every, of pelicans. Every time, every single time that we catch a pelican on one of my charters, I tell people, don't worry, because you've only caught one. You have to catch at least three more to pass the record on our boat, which is held by the incomparable Nigel Kerr, one of the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> as, as, so. as they say, as they say in the Caribbean, I feel shame. So, <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite people on the planet, my friend. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. No, Mike. Thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, take care, and, and everyone, everyone's listening. Please, please stay safe out there, and hopefully, life resumes back to normal here as quickly as possible. And we're back on the ice playing hockey as soon as possible. Amen. No doubt about it. When you get there, good luck, my friend. We'll be in touch. Be good. Take care, brother. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Uh, My very good friend, Nigel Kerwin of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I knew that was going to be a great podcast. I was so looking forward to getting caught up with him. Uh, You know, obviously in these tough times we're going through uh, it gave me an opportunity to catch up with him he would be knee deep in his hockey season here so I appreciate him uh, on these troubled times spent a little time with us super neat guy um, that whole Tampa Bay Lightning organization is just full of people like 
Nigel, um, near and dear friends, just great people all around. The Real Animals Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And the Real Animals Podcasts are presented by Contender Boats. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on any of our programming, or if you have some show ideas you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you take time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means more than you could ever know. Without you, the listener, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to all of our programming. You can find all of Radio Influence's programming on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.